Hello, church, and uh, welcome to our worship service. I miss seeing your faces in here, and I am so glad, though, that you have joined us uh, together to worship, uh, to sing, to hear God's word read and uh, preached, and for us to pray together. Um, I do want to take a moment right now, uh, even though we just prayed, um, to pray for you, uh, for our city, uh, for our state, and for our nation. So would you join me, and let's pray together. Father, we come to you on this day with joyful hearts and yet serious hearts. And we ask, Father, that you would have mercy upon our city, even our neighborhoods and our families. Father, that you would have mercy upon our state, that you would have mercy upon our nation, and that you would have mercy upon this world. And Father, we are a people who do not deserve your mercy and kindness and grace, but we plead for it on the, the account of your son, Jesus Christ. We claim his name and we, we call upon your promises in your son to be merciful. We pray for protection for our nation, for the systems that we lean into. But we pray, O oh Father, that you would keep us from putting our faith and our hope ultimately in those things, but in you. Protect us, keep us. We pray especially for our loved ones and those around us, our neighbors, our friends, our family, who may be vulnerable at this moment. And we beg you, Father, for mercy and for healing. We pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, I, I just want to thank you again for being here, and I want to encourage you uh, in this moment uh, to reach out to us and let us know how we can help you. Um, Amanda has put on the website opportunities for you to fill out a form to let us know um, what's going on in your life, how we can pray for you, and if you have any needs, whether that's a spiritual need or a physical need, would you please fill that out and let us know how we can minister to you. Also, please be waiting for emails and, and information uh, from us on other ways that we're going to try to be connecting together uh, as a church throughout the week. And so we look forward to doing that more and more. And we, of course, long for the day that we get to see you face to face. But today we are taking a break from the Gospel of Mark to turn to Philippians chapter 4, one of Paul's most important passages as it relates to anxiety and worry. And we're going to look at two things from this passage. First of all, the promise, and second of all, the practice. But first, the promise. We'll start with the Apostle Paul, amazing promise in Philippians 4, verse 7, where he says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the thing that I want us to see is this, the promise that Paul is pointing to and calling our hearts to is this, that by saying yes to prayer, we can experience a peace that goes beyond understanding. Paul's promise in this passage is not a life without fearful circumstances, but instead it is the promise of peace, the peace of God, even in the midst of fearful circumstances. Paul himself is writing his letter to us from a Philippian jail. Paul is not promising that if you really love Jesus, that you'll have a life that is a completely devoid of anxious things or anxious, anxious or worrisome circumstances. But again, instead, he's saying we can experience 
by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, a peace that surpasses understanding. Paul himself was not without anxiety. In fact, in Philippians, he talks about his own anxiety in his letter, writing about his, his friend, Epaphroditus. He says this in chapter 2, verse 28. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So Paul is not saying that getting a peace and a joy uh, that he's talking about is a one-time experience that lasts for a lifetime. Instead, he is promising that as we practice our faith daily and moment by moment, that even in troubling times, we can experience a peace that is beyond understanding and that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. A month ago, two months ago, I had a lot of reason to have peace, but it was an understandable peace. I would get online and I would check my, uh, my retirement accounts and I had peace, but it was understandable. Things were up enormously, but today they're not. He promises a peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. The next thing that I want us to see is the practice and we're going to spend most of our time here. Throughout Philippians, Paul calls us to practice our faith and to live it out. And he demonstrates how hard he works to grow in his own faith. He presses on to the goal of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord, he says. And he strains forward for what lies ahead. He works out his salvation with fear and trembling. And so, friends, in these moments where our circumstances are not what we would hope them to be, we have to strain, we have to press on, we have to look and move forward to what lies ahead. If you want peace in this moment, we need to practice it. And the first thing I want us to see in light of that is practicing joy. In verse four of our passage, Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. If you want the promise of peace to be real in your life, we'll need to practice joy and rejoicing and put it in practice. Every single day in the last two weeks, we've been hit with wave after wave after wave of uncertainty. And what began as sort of small waves at the beach have now turned into to large waves. And as we're buffeted by these waves every day, one after the other, how much more so do we need to respond with rejoicing against those waves? These are worrisome circumstances all around us, and some of us, though, have stressful things going on in our personal lives as well. What do we do? We must hit the bad news with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ over and over and over, reminding ourselves and one another that God is good. That God is good and he is not surprised by any of this. He's the Lord. So Paul, our brother, who is sitting in jail for his faith as he writes this and is awaiting execution, writes us and he says, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. 
even in the midst of such dire circumstances that he faced, he rejoiced. What does that look like? It literally means what your mom has always told you, and that is to count your blessings, to treasure them up, to count them, to recount them, to be talking to your own heart about what's still good in your life and who God is in your life, even in the midst of these bad circumstances. Some of you are watching this video uh, together and in a community, and I encourage you, is when we share the benediction and we stop, gather around with one another and recount your blessings to one another. Would you stop and, and just share things that you're thankful for right now, even right now, the things that are true? Not how you're feeling, but what is true right now in your life. And if you're alone in this moment, would you stop and, and write down what you're thankful for or say it out loud, journal it, text it to somebody. And then we must practice this. Friends, I'm, I'm calling you church. Let's count it all joy every day to re rehearse that God is good. The next thing I want us to see is practicing presence, practicing joy and practicing presence. In Philippians 4 verse 5, Paul says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, and I want to stop right there just for a second. We have an opportunity as, as the followers of God to be a light and a balm in this world. As, as you're shopping in the grocery stores and there's an anxiousness in your heart and you're sensing an anxiousness as there are empty aisles except for the things nobody else wants to buy, uh, you get to, to live a life in such a way that shows joy. In peace. We get to be a non-anxious presence in a world that is filled with anxiety. What a joy. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. This could also be, a, we could say, let your non-anxious spirit be known to everyone. Why, Paul says, well, in verse 5, he answers it, because the Lord is at hand. There are competing stories for our hearts and our minds right now. There are these stories that are telling us our hope has to be in the stock market. While it's a reasonable thing to invest in the stock market and to, to think about your finances and so forth, in these, in these moments, in these moments, we have to say, this is not where my hope lies. This is not where my ultimate joy is found. So we, we, we begin to battle, we begin to rejoice, we begin to practice the, the reality that God is at hand because the competing belief system is this, we are on our own. That the only thing that exists in this universe is the natural law and order and there's nothing else. But friends, you know that's not the story we believe. We believe that God is and was and always will be and that this story, the biblical story, the true story, is the story that is real. God is at hand. In Psalm 16, verse 8, the psalmist writes this, I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. And we know that nobody sets the Lord before anything. The Lord is the Lord so what does the psalmist mean? I have set the Lord before me. What he means is this. I am practicing the presence of the Lord in all of my daily circumstances. Every day, I am setting before my heart the reality that God is at hand. 
Every day as I struggle, as I battle, as I face the waves of uncertainty, I will practice the presence of the reality that my God is at hand. And therefore, I will not be shaken. Ultimately, the way to practice the presence of God is through prayer. And prayer is kind of like a thermostat, and it's kind of like a thermometer. In a way, it's like a thermometer, and it takes our temperature, our spiritual temperature. But today, I want to talk about how it is also like a thermostat. I have a, a, new, a new thermostat in our house. We've got one of those nests. And you can turn it up and just with even an app in just a few clicks. And then, obviously, your air conditioning system or your heating system will kick in and set the tone. As we pray and as we look to God's word and we meditate on it, that is, becomes a thermostat for your heart. Your, your heart may be feeling 50 degrees, but as we focus our heart's attention on God's word and we begin to call out to him and recount his goodness and pray, then, then that begins like a thermostat to crank up the temperature of our heart and to set it where it needs to be. Philippians 4, 6, Paul says this. As we practice prayer, do not be anxious about anything. Again, this is a man in prison. But in everything, by prayer. Don't worry, he says, uh, about anything. But instead, in everything, in prayer and in supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so that... The antidote, in a sense, is, is prayer. It's crying out to God. Not giving our hearts over to anxiety, but praying. And Paul has given us this amazing promise in this passage that we don't have to be crippled by debilitating anxiety and worry. And that we can have the peace of Christ guarding our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Through joy and through presence, and ultimately through prayer and meditation on scripture. And the point is this. Anxiety lives in our thoughts, in our imagination, and as we practice worry, and right now there's plenty of things that can get stuck in the feedback loop of our minds. Worry and anxiety can rob our joy, and it can keep us from loving one another. And this is what we profoundly need to be focused on. Next week, we're going to be going back to the Gospel of Mark and looking at the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. But look at how much worry and anxiety can keep us from being about that mission to love one another and to love our God. The anxious heart listens to itself, but the heart of faith is listening and talking to itself and to God in prayer. The heart of faith is someone that speaks the gospel to their own heart, is preaching to themselves, talking to themselves, like the psalmist in Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Look how the psalmist is preaching to himself. Why are you cast down? And why are you in turmoil within yourself? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Friends, we don't know exactly what circumstances are going to be through this virus, but I promise you this. We will yet again praise him. We will gather again together as a people. Nothing can come against 
God's people. Nothing can come against the church. Nothing will overcome and prevail against God's will. He is in control. We must talk to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves and talk to God in prayer. The anxious heart sees the circumstances in the hand, but the praying heart sees that the Lord is at hand. Are you anxious right now? Of course you are. Are you stressed? How are you sleeping? The big question I've got for you, where is the Lord in your story right now? Is he close or is he distant? Do you feel his closeness or do you feel distance? Does he care for you? Does he love you? Is he powerful with resources to actually help? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we worry, our hearts and our minds are surrounded and overcome by everything that would rob us of joy and peace. But Jesus is at hand. Jesus is as much at hand this week as he was two weeks ago. Jesus was at hand in China when the crisis was at its worst, and the crisis is much better now. Jesus is at hand right now in Italy. Jesus is at hand even in Iran, right this very minute. Jesus is at hand in Phoenix, Tempe, Chandler. Jesus is at hand in the state of Arizona. Jesus is at hand. Anxiety is an issue that impacts our faith, but it's also profoundly an issue that impacts our body. And that's the way God designed it. Anxiety is a normal part of life, isn't it? In the short term, anxiety uh, increases your adrenaline and your fight or flight system. It sends blood flow uh, to your heart and to your, your brain. And when you need it in a crisis, this is a good thing. But long term, as you live in anxiety and anxiousness, and there's too much adrenaline in your system, this is bad for our bodies. And so I want to give you some practical helps. Friends, this week, today, tomorrow, when feeling anxious, let's practice prayer and meditation on this passage. But I also want you to be thinking about your physical body and the, and the feelings of stress that are happening in your body. I want you to sit in a chair and I want you to read this passage to yourself or with your friends and your family. And I want you to be thinking about where am I feeling anxiousness? Am I feeling it in my head? Am I feeling it in my shoulders? Am I feeling it in my chest? Where, where am I feeling it? And I want you to take in a deep breath through your nose. And I want you to say to yourself, be anxious about nothing. And I want, as you breathe in, to breathe in so much that it would affect your rib cage and even your stomach. And so you're taking this deep, deep breath and you're saying, be anxious about nothing and then exhaling, but with all things in prayer, with thanksgiving and supplication. And then you breathe in again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Exhale. Feeding your heart with what's true and what's good, but also being, paying attention to your body and how you're feeling stress. If you will stop, meditate on scripture, think about how you're feeling stress in your body and begin to inhale the goodness of God in your own breath and do this for several minutes, for at least 10, 10 moments of deep breath and a deep inhalation of the truth of who God is and his character. I promise you'll, you'll feel peace spiritually, emotionally, but also physically. 
Friends, the Lord is at hand. The Holy Spirit is here right now with us. The Holy Spirit is faithful. He is faithful to speak to us through his word, to speak to us in prayer, and to speak to us through one another. The Lord is at hand. And that is a greater thing than every problem we face. Paul said, in imprisonment, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Martin Luther's powerful hymn has a verse that says this that is so beautiful and so appropriate. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for though his doom is sure, one little word shall fell him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power and the presence of who you are in our lives, even right now. And I pray for New Valley Church that we would be the church, that we would stand up and lean into our faith, even when we're feeling anxiousness, and we will, even when we're feeling worried, and we will, that we will buffet against that with prayer, with hope, with faith, with your word. Lord, would you strengthen us? Give us a peace that surpasses understanding, even in these moments. We beg you, in Jesus' good name. Amen.